Lord, we're asking for your holy presence in our lives, that you do uh, a work in our hearts that we can't do for ourselves, that you open our eyes and our minds and our ears to hear what you have to say, and that what happens in these next few minutes would be life-changing for all of us, that we'd continue to move higher up and closer in in our relationship with you. And would you teach us to love you more and to love the people around us more? Thank you, oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, this is what we're studying. We're, we're going to study for the next few minutes the book of Acts, uh, and then we're going to break into groups, and we're going to talk about some of the things that we are studying. But if you guys remember, the book of Acts is the, uh, is the, the document, the ancient document written by Dr. Luke about the things that the Holy Spirit of Jesus did in the lives of his followers in the years after he left. Yes. And Aaron's got Bibles there. If you don't have a Bible, Aaron will loan you one. Uh, there you go. And we're looking in chapter 18. So chapter 18 of Acts. And let me just tell you where we are so far. What we, what we, where we started at was Jesus. Yes, remember, the God of the universe, the creator of the universe became a human because, just like Nick talked about, because he loves you. He became human. He grew up and he died to pay for your, the penalty for all of your sins, all of your inconsistency, all of your faults, he paid for them. But because he was God, he destroyed the power of death, and he came to life, and he is still alive. He spent time with his disciples in those days after he was resurrected from the dead, and 40 days later, he stepped off this planet through whatever you call a wormhole or or um, teleporting. I don't know how it all worked, but he stepped off this planet and he promised that he's coming back, that he will come back and he will reign as king on this planet. And so what he gave us a commission to do is to proclaim his kingdom to the whole world. And so he had 12 guys. And within a short time, there was a group of 70. And within a short time after that, there was a group of about 120 and then, and then um, 3,000 and then 5,000. And what he taught them exploded all over the world, and the explosion is still happening. There's never been a revolution as powerful as the revolution that Jesus started. There has been no other kingdom that has lasted as long as the kingdom that Jesus has started because his kingdom will last forever. So the book of Acts is an account of how that thing got started. And we've, we've seen how the Holy Spirit empowered the people of God and how, beca how because he empowered them, they did ministry. And as they did ministry, people freaked out and opposed them. There were lots of opposition. And when there was opposition, they went to their knees and prayed. And as they prayed, more Holy Spirit power. More Holy Spirit power brought more ministry. More ministry brought more opposition. And we've continued that cycle until today. So don't be surprised if there's opposition. So in, in Acts 18, we, we've been studying about how, how Paul is one of these men that Jesus commissioned to proclaim his message, and he's been, he's been put in prison, he's been kicked out of the towns, he's caused riots, he's been run for his life, now he's stuck in Corinth, and once again, just like when he was in Athens, he's there alone 
without his friends. His friends are supposed to meet him. Silas and Timothy are supposed to meet him, but they got stuck in Berea, and he's all by himself, and he doesn't know anybody. So guys, let's read this. Acts 18, starting verse 1, we talked last week a little bit about, about the first couple verses, but after this, Paul left Athens, and he went to Corinth, and there he met a Jew named Aquila. This is, this is back, backing up from what we did last week. A native of Pontus who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Remember, we talked about this last week. Because of a selfish emperor named Claudius, he kicks all the Jews out of Rome. And because of riots that are happening following Paul, Paul ends up in Corinth at the same time. And by coincidence, bad things, what you guys might think of as bad luck in the lives of Paul, and the lives of Priscilla and Quilla end them up in Corinth at the exact same time. And good things happen because of that. Ultimately, a church is started in the city of Rome because of that coincidental connection. And we talked about that there's no coincidences in your life that God can't redeem. We talked about Romans 8, 28, that God causes most things, all things, to work together for everybody, Right? For the good of those who love him that are called according to his purpose. In other words, you, if you don't love him and you're not called according to his purpose, then all bets are off and you can't count that God is going to make anything in your life work out. In fact, let me just tell you guys, it's not going to work out. It's not going to work out. But if you love him, if you truly love him, and you've, and you've answered the call of God in your life, then you can say, well, whatever happened because of COVID, whatever, I was going to be in Japan this year, or I was going to be in the Philippines this year, or I was going to be going to school somewhere this year and it didn't work out because of COVID or I lost my job. You know what? God is going to arrange all the parts so that good things happen. Guaranteed. There's money back guarantee. There's no way that God will not do what he promises to do in Romans 8, 28. Just watch and see. So that's what we got last week. Now what I want you guys to see is how Paul met Priscilla and Aquila. Remember? He meets these guys by what looks like coincidence. They start, they, Ten years later, they start a church in Rome, which really develops to be a part of the biggest, longest-lasting church in history, okay, so far. And so how he meets them, we are told in verse 2. So look at the, or the second, last part of verse 2. So Paul went to see them. Why does he go see them? It tells us in verse 3. Because he was a tent maker... As they were. You know what a tent maker is? A dude who makes tents. That's right. A dude or a dudette. I guess Priscilla's a dudette who makes tents. Okay? They're tent makers, and he's a tent maker. And so he goes to see them, and he stayed, and he worked with them. So here, I want you guys to think about how he meets them. He meets them because this guy, Mr. Paul, the guy who wrote half of your New Testament, who's an agent of... Of the Lord Most High, he needs a job. He needs a job. And he needs a job because he's hungry and he needs a place to live. He knows nobody in Corinth. He's still waiting for Silas and Timothy, who he got separated from back in Berea. And now he's in this giant city all by himself. And he's ready to bring the city to Jesus but he doesn't got a penny in his pocket. He don't got a place to live. He don't got any money to buy what he needs. And so he's like, okay, I got to get a job. He's basically homeless and jobless. You ever felt like that? I have. 
Back when I was, I, you know, I, I think I've told you guys when I when I lived in Hollywood, when I first um, was in the United States, I was living in Hollywood. I was so close to homelessness. I had no money, I had no friends, I had no car, but I had a mission. Because I really believed that God had called me to change the world. And it sounds, now when I think about it, I thought, I was so small in the middle of a big city, and I got ripped off. Every time it seemed like I got any money, I had somebody who pretended to be my friend, and they took my money. It was crazy. But the Lord had a plan, and I had Jesus in my heart. So I want you guys to see what Paul does. He goes and gets a job. And... Just want to apply this to your own your, your life for a second. If you have a calling on your life, like Paul does, to follow Paul's example, and you know what I'm gonna say. Go get the job. That's right. Go get the job, guys. Go get the job. Even if your long-term plan, guys, listen to me. Even if your long-term plan is to do ministry full-time. Don't just sit around waiting for a church to come and find you like you're the answer to all their problems and to start paying you to do full-time ministry. It's not going to happen. You guys hear me? I've known too many people who know that God's got a call in their life, who think that that means that, okay, I'm still supposed to be in full-time ministry, and that means that all you guys should pay for me to live. In fact, when I lived in Hawaii, when I was in high school, there were so, almost every week at our little church, Honolulu Baptist Church, where we went, almost every week there were people who had come from the mainland who had felt the call of God in their life to come to Hawaii and have our church support them in their ministry. Here I am, you lucky people. I need food, I need a place to stay, and let's do ministry on the beach. Sounds good. Anybody want to go? Let's do it. Okay. So, guys, here's the point. If you're going to do ministry long-term, full-time ministry, you're going to serve the Lord, you still have to work hard and produce something right now that people need Think about Mr. Moses. You guys remember Moses? Moses has a call in his life. Moses has such an incredible call in his life to set the people of Israel free, the, the, the Jewish people free from the bondage of slavery, and he's got to spend 40 years learning how to take care of sheep before he goes and does what God's called him to. And some of you guys are like, 40 years? I don't know if it's 40 years for you. I just know that God has a plan for you that may take you going and getting a job. So that's that's the other thing that I want you guys to get from, from this, that not only does Paul get a job at the gas station or at Walmart, Paul gets a job with a skill that he has. He has a trade. You guys see this? I mean, how did Paul learn to make, he has, who knows how to make tents? Okay, he knows how to set up a tent because he did this past weekend when we went camping. But that's not what I'm talking about. Paul knows how to make tents. He knows how to make tents with all, without all the machinery and all. And I don't know, I don't know, these canvas tents, I don't know. 
But he knows how to make tents because he's put in the work and he's learned a trade. You know why he makes tents? It's not just because he likes the smell of the canvas or whatever it is. It's because the tent business pays good. You know why it pays good? What is it? Because people need tents. Well, that's so intense, man. Um, that's right. Because everybody travels by foot. And why are they traveling by foot to Corinth where he's at? No, well, there were people, there were Jews that got kicked out of Rome. But what's, what do you get, what's happening just outside of Corinth right at this time? The Olympics. The Olympics are happening. The ancient Greece Olympics are happening right at the time that Paul's in Corinth, just outside of Corinth. And people are coming from all over the place to watch the Olympic Games. And they got to have a place to stay. And they don't have their Winnebago's, is that what the campers are called? They don't, have, they don't have their campers, so they get tents. And so Paul's in a lucrative business. Here's the point, guys. He's got a, a skill. He's got a trade that he is able to use to make money. Guys, here's the point for you. Don't just get a job. Get a trade. I'm serious. Think about it. Some of you guys need, need to think at the bigger level, not just what can I do to put some gas in my car so I can get home from work today. But what can I do that'll make the big bucks so that I can use the money that I'm making from that to fund Jesus' kingdom? Last night, or yesterday, two nights ago, our water line in our front yard busted. And so my son Kyle spent eight and a half, eight and a half hours yesterday doing plumbing. I'm so glad. Because otherwise it would have been me or it would have been $400 to hire my friend Miguel Paz Jr., who's a plumber, but is expensive. So instead, 85 bucks for Kyle. I love it. But here's the point. Don't tell him. Don't tell him. But here's the deal. He knows how to do plumbing. And plumbers, you know how much money plumbers make? They make some good money, except when they're working for their dad. Don't tell him that. Because I'm, I, I want you guys to think. If you could work a job, because you're going to work, you're going to spend the rest of your life working, I hope. You're going to produce something that people need, something like plumbing or tents or AC, and it is hard work. But if you're going to work hard, would you rather make 10 bucks an hour or 50 bucks an hour? Get the $50 an hour job, guys, because it's a lot more easy to build a kingdom when you're not worrying about how to get your headlight fixed because you don't have the money. Kiana told me this morning. Kiana and Joe are married, by the way. There's Joe and there's Kiana back there. Kiana, Kiana told me this morning that she said, I was so excited. Last night we went to bed and our bed collapsed. Is that right? Was it last night? It's been a hand-me-down bed. They got married two years ago, and they didn't have any money. So she said, she said, she crawled in bed and said, Joe, do you have any money? <laughs> Joe's got money. You know why? Because he makes um, hand sanitizer and perfume for, for fruit of the earth. It's amazing. Okay, the point is, he's got a trade. You guys got a trade. You guys get my point. They live in our barn. Yes, that's right. He lives, that's right. He lives in, my, in her, his father-in-law's barn. Okay, guys. Get a trade, make the money. You know, a great, great example of this is Luke Bishop. Luke Bishop, where's Luke? Okay, Luke, other guy that just got married. Um, Luke has worked here at the Cornerstone for the past three years, about 40 hours a week, getting paid. You know how much? 
he doesn't get paid anything. Um, be, partly because we've, we've handed him some money on the table occasionally when he's been really hungry. But he's not allowed to work in America, and so he, uh, and so he's, but now he's going to get that fixed. Okay? He's going to be able to work here. Thank God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but here's the point, guys. Luke knows how to do everything. Today he fixed our computer. He fixed our internet. He fixed the, the, the coffee espresso machine. And all that he did for free because you know what he does when he's not working here? He went out and put, installed security cameras at a guy's house for a couple days and made $400. Is that cool or what? The guy knows how to, he knows all the trades. Cool deal. Okay. <laughs> I think that's a compliment. Okay. Okay, guys, here, here's what I want you guys to catch. If you, if you want to change the world, you get a job. If you want to change the world, you get a job like Luke Bishop who knows how to do something other than just something small. This takes time. Okay, the other thing that Paul does is he uses his job to recruit kingdom workers. You guys remember how Priscilla and Aquila become pastors? Remember what seminary they go to? They go to Tent Making Institute with Paul. They, go with, they spend day in and day out with Paul, watching him, learning from him, talking to him. I don't know if they're sewing the tents or what they're doing, but they're learning how to pastor people because Paul knows how to do it. And they take what they learn from Paul and they go back to Rome and they start a church there. That's incredible. So I, I, want, you, I want to ask you guys this. Stop thinking of your workplace as a necessary evil to get you to the place where you can do ministry. You guys hear what I'm saying? It's not this terrible thing that you just have to go to in order to get some money in your pocket so you can do the things that you really want. Make your workplace your ministry place. You know what's the difference between you guys and me? Let me ask you this. How many of you guys are paid full-time to do ministry? Me and Josie and... I mean, yeah, you guys are doing... That's right. You, good answer. My son-in-law raised his hand. He's not officially in ministry, but he's doing ministry all the time. Okay, guys, most of you are in a workplace surrounded by people who don't know Jesus. That is a privilege that you have that I don't have. Now, thank God that I'm here in this building, on this campus, where I run into non-believers all the time. But there's pastors who are in ministry who never get the privilege of being around people that don't know Jesus. So your workplace, just like Joe said, your workplace is your field. That's the harvest field. The Lord sent you there like he sent Paul to Corinth to meet Priscilla and Aquila so that Priscilla and Aquila could be trained in ministry. You know what Joe's doing in his lunch hours? He's doing ministry. He's got the, the Cornerstone devotional. and He's meeting with people in his lunch hours helping them to learn how to follow Jesus and know the Bible. How about you guys do that? I've had so many people go like, I, I, need, a, I need somebody to, to do this with. How about at your workplace? How, do, do, how about realizing like Paul did? You are there to represent Jesus to those people. Priscilla and Aquila go on to start a church in Rome because Paul trains them at the workplace. May it be that the people who you train at your workplace go on to start a church in Rome or Arlington or Fukuoka, Japan, or some other place.
because they had a work experience with you. Okay, so he goes first. So Sorry, guys. We're going to get through this. Paul goes to, he gets a job. Second thing that he does is he goes to church. I want you guys to see this. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. Do this. If you got your own Bible, circle the word every. You guys see this? Why did he come to Corinth? Why did Paul come to Corinth? Okay, right. Okay. But in his mind, he's in Corinth because he's there to proclaim the gospel. He's there on mission, right? He's there with purpose. He's there with purpose. But he's got to have a place to sleep and food to eat. And so he goes and gets a job and he works six days a week. And he's exhausted after six days. You guys know what that's like. And think about the people who are working six days who are like, man, it's worship day, but I am wiped out. And Paul gets up. I want you to see that he goes to the Sabbath every Sabbath because he doesn't forget what his purpose is in Corinth. Here's the point. Guys, be at church on Sunday. Don't skip our, the gathering. I want you here on Thursday night too, but if, if you only be at one place Thursday night or Sunday morning, come Sunday. That's where we're all together. It's all hands on deck. Everybody there. I can't figure out why there's so many people who think that it's optional. Guys, let's be together and let's worship the Lord as the community of believers without exception. If you want your life to succeed, it's not that just if you go to church every Sunday, your life is going to succeed. If, I'm saying if you're the kind of person that says, this is so important to me, that I don't want to miss it no matter what's going on in the world, you're the kind of person who, who God is not going to let life fall to pieces because you will see the kingdom of God come through your life. Okay, here's what I'm asking you guys to think about, that if you're faithful in these small things, things like showing up to worship Jesus with the community of believers on Sunday, you're going to be trustworthy in the big things. That's what Luke 16.10 says. Remember, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with a whole lot. And those people who can't be responsible with little things aren't going to be able to be responsible with a lot. So your future, your future in this life the future assignments, the future responsibility, the future stewardship that God gives you is dependent on how seriously you take the little bit that he's given you right now. And so Paul is faithful. He works hard. He goes to church. And I want you guys to see that his faithfulness pays off. He finally gets a break. Look at verse 5. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. Okay, how does the schedule change when Silas and Timothy show up? Now, they're able to take over his job. Now, what does Paul do? He's able to spend his day at the Cornerstone and on UTA campus telling people about Jesus. Because, what are Silas and Timothy doing? They're working. Okay, there's a couple things here, guys. Silas and Timothy, they show up and start working because, because, so that Paul can do the ministry. But here's what I want you guys to think about. First of all, would you be willing, would you be willing to be Paul? Would you be willing to be the guy that does the full-time ministry? I think a lot of you would be. But here's my other question. Would you be willing to be Silas and Timothy? Doing the work 
Think about if you had a, t- a team of three, and two of you had to work so that one guy could do ministry. Is there anybody who you trust enough to do the work of the gospel who you'd be willing to, su- to support that person? Okay, think about who that would be. Think about, is there anybody who would support you? With their, with, well, if you, two, two people who would support you so that you could work full time. If the answer is no, then let's start living like Paul. With an attitude of, I'm going to build the kingdom, whether anybody's here to help me or not, but when those people show up, I can do it full time. Okay, the other thing that I want you guys to see is that Paul does what it takes with his own muscles to get the job done, and God promotes him later to full-time ministry. Do you guys see this? Because of his faithfulness. Now, you know, if, if Paul was the kind of guy that was like, if he'd given up on ministry because he had to work, I don't think he, he would have gotten promoted to full-time. And this is the word of the Lord to some of you. Some of you are like, I'll do full-time ministry when God provides. And I want to suggest to you that God is willing to provide for you after you have learned the process of working hard and there was, you know, there was a time in my life when I was working like crazy. I were, I, you know, back when I was, I started teaching the Bible when I was 21. I had no intention at all of being a pastor. I had intention to pastor people, but I wasn't trying to be a full-time paid by the church pastor. In fact, I didn't think I was worth it, and I sure didn't want the responsibility that came with it. And the feeling that I had to answer to a board of elders and a pastor I wanted the freedom to do ministry without all that. I sure was never trying to get anybody to pay me. But in 1999, Pastor Gary, we were having a church um, camp out, out in Tyler, Texas, and Pastor Gary rode up to me on a bicycle, and he said, hey, I, I think I'd like to ask you to take over um, singles ministry. And I, I really struggled with it because I was doing ministry already. I'd been working with, in, in my business 50 hours a week trying to build that business so that I could do ministry. And I thought, I can't add one more thing to my life. But I finally said, okay. But I said, look, just, just don't pay me. I didn't want to be paid because I wanted the freedom to be able to, do, to run my life without him telling me what I was supposed to do. You guys know that feeling, right? Well, I came on staff at Grace, and I, didn't, I wasn't paid for about four months. And finally, Pastor Gary said, look, we're going to start paying you whether you want it or not. And I felt this, ugh. Now I've got to be responsible. I've got to give an answer to my time. So Grace paid me um, for half time. I worked for Grace six days a week. And on my one day off, I took one day off a week to go work on the business. The business that I had made about three times as much as what Grace was paying me. And it almost killed me. I actually had to leave my job at Grace for two years to go back and try to do the business because I was trying to do, do too much. When I came back on staff, Pastor Gary asked me to come back on staff. I came back, and I'm paid full time now. What a relief. Praise God. And the, and, but the money that, I, that God had done through that business is now able to support so many students in the Philippines and support other workers in other parts of the world. Praise God. Okay, here's what I want you guys to think about. If you are faithful to work hard right now with what you have in your hands and you do that out of love for Jesus and you do it out of integrity, he's going to provide for you. He's your provider. The Lord is your shepherd. He gives you everything 
that you need to accomplish his purposes. It might not be whatever everybody else in the world says you need, but he gives you what you need to do what he calls you to do. Some of you guys know that God is calling you to greater ministry. And I just want to say, don't sit around and wait for that ministry to magically start. Think of that. Someday in the future, you're finally going to go and do ministry. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that God has put you in the lives of people who need him, who are hopeless without a connection through you to the bringer of hope. You're the one. So what are you going to wait for? Who are the people who, really, if you think about it, you should have invited to be with you tonight? Who are the people who you should be inviting to be a part of your small group Bible studies? Who are the people who you know need Jesus, you just don't know how to connect with them? Here's my invitation, you guys. Assume that you have been brought to Corinth or to Arlington, Texas, or to your workplace for the purpose of connecting them with Jesus. And I just want you to think, will you do it? Will you love them? Aren't you glad that somebody loved you enough to bring you in? So today is the day you start your ministry. Full-time mindset of Jesus, my life is for you, no matter what. So guys, let's do this. Let's break into small groups. We got let's let's break into four groups up in the rooms upstairs and then maybe one group down here. And let's spend the next 20 minutes or so going through some discussion questions. And then why don't you guys end by by praying for each other. The discussion questions are on UT Cornerstone. Where are where is it? Luke? UTAcornerstone.com slash discussion. And so you guys go through go through those groups um, or through those questions in your groups, and then uh, we'll be done about twenty five minutes or so. Is that good? Okay, just gr- grab grab a group. I don't I don't think we assigned um, rooms to leaders up there, but you guys can figure it out. Okay. <laughs>